welcome to Simple Theology, a podcast connecting theology to everyday life by examining various doctrines of the Christian faith. I'm Robert Kane. And I'm Rick Gromlich. He's Rick Gromlich. He said his name. That is fantastic. Today, Good job, Rick. we are jumping into 1 John You're welcome. chapter 5, verses 18 through 21, a little passage that Rick preached at Proclamation Church this past weekend. We're going to talk about some of the implications and the tensions that are found there. And we're going to do a little bit of name dropping. That's right. Rob's here to name drop big time. Big time. Um, so you're going to hear that too. So you definitely want to tune in because Rob has some major big if names. If they're already listening, they've already tuned in. Yeah, you need to listen up. <laughs> listen up real good. <laughs> this is excellent. Enjoy. good man rob. it's been a good day can i call you rob you can call me rob rob what'd you do, do today it's been so good yeah so I took care of some stuff with work and mm-hmm. yep. um, got lunch with um, a friend oh that's good yeah a little uh little get little friend that i like to uh call nick nye okay and okay. he's not actually little and he's okay. not he's not actually like a big guy either <laughs> no, he is a friend um he's not a little, he's not a friend. i say little because um <laughs> he's like it's kind of funny because he he planted Veritas Church here in Columbus, and um, they were one of like the first reformed churches to mm-hmm. become a little bit larger. Um, typically, the the stigma was if you're Maybe a reformed Piper church, you're not going to. Nah, I'm and talking about in Columbus. I'm Spurgeon, about Columbus. yeah, exactly. Yeah, those guys. Um, and there are probably others, but um, he's got some he's got some clout in the area. So oh. I say a little guy named Nick Nye because he's like a little local. So you're like throwing out like some weight. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you know, cool, cool. That's what I'm trying to do. Name I see drop. how you're trying to... You ever heard of Tim Keller? Nope. Well, uh, Nick disciples Tim. Okay. Well, that's cool. Good for Tim. Hopefully Tim's yeah. probably a young guy who's he, he's grow- growing in the faith. Yeah. Good for him. Uh, outside of name dropping, <laughs> what else did you do today? <laughs> if, uh, you, if you had to drop, like, you're in a situation and... And I'm dropping any name. And you had to drop one name to try and get you, like, access in or... So out of a situation, and I know that's rough because there's no context like what the situation is. I was going to say, it's going to be very contingent. What name you drop it? I mean, you can't drop my name without permission, so you got to pick somebody else. <laughs> well, love you. And uh, Nick, if you're listening, I love you too, man. Um, but neither of the names <laughs> just listed are the ones that I would be yeah. dropping. Um, okay, so you got to give me some kind of context as to what, what the situation is. Let's say the local, like the let's say like the big wigs in the SBC call you in. Okay. And they're like, Rob, you know, we we just heard, we've heard, heard some of your sermons that you now post on your uh, <laughs> church website, and and this is a good meeting. You're receiving money, <laughs> and um, we just have some concerns. Oh, okay. And you're gonna be like, oh, I picked that up from, or I was talking to, <laughs> or you know, my friend okay, was saying. So- because that's what you named drop for, like to bail you exactly, out, right? Really. Exactly. Well, I'm not trying to bail myself out okay. right now. I didn't drop Nick's name to do a name drop. Um, uh, but it is funny that you bring up a situation like that. Because it would be Nick. <laughs> because he does have like a good reputation in the SBC. So okay. that would be a name that, that okay. would come up. But I don't know if that would be the one. Um, it would depend. Um, if it was something to do with Columbus, it might be Dean. Because the SBC loves Dean. Mm. Um, 
let's see here. Nick could could be in that realm depending on who I'm talking to. If I what if is, you're like are a, these people that I'm actually like acquainted with? You're like in the police station. You're in the police station, and they're like, "Rob, we're just not sure what to do with you. We're not sure if we need to, you know." And it has to be someone this. I actually am acquainted with. Yeah, it doesn't do you I'm not, good, I'm not you acquainted with drop. too many high power. Yeah, you know me <laughs> and Joe Biden. People. Like you can throw out the name every name you want, but if you don't know them, as in they can help you out. Maybe I need to re-ask the as question. I, say, I don't have any. If you're gonna, for you. if you're just gonna the name drop, are like, what are if we you're gonna name about? drop to, to for prestige purpose to like just sound like, oh, he knows that person. What name are you throwing out? Uh, I mean, Piper comes to mind. Dever comes to mind. You don't know these people. Okay, so these have to be people that I have that that's I know. The, that's name dropping. So it's an honest name drop. Okay, here. That's good <laughs> oh, to know. I guess honest. I got to be honest here. <laughs> oh, you want me to be truthful? Because uh-huh. okay. when you name drop, you might have to back that up with some evidence. <laughs> there is one. So Aaron Kraft would be one of those. <laughs> you guys know Aaron Kraft? Anybody? You're like, huh? Barely knows anything of me, but he might remember me. I think I schooled that guy in basketball mm-hmm. one Thursday morning. Exactly. All right, Rob. Well, hopefully those situations don't come up. We have to get yourself Glad out we of got on a that bad topic. Spot. Glad I mentioned Nick's name. Um, got to hear. Nick, thanks for tuning in. Love to have you on the show. Uh, I that, would. That's legit. I would, say I would totally as a, love as a to. Co-host. Rob has always kind of pushed against that. Stop it! Right. I've been now. trying for a while, but <laughs> Nick, I will have my way one of these years. And we'll have you on the show. Um, hopefully, we will relieve some of the tension between you and Rob. <laughs> on that note, uh, Rob, what are we talking about today? That's a great question. Clearly, not what we intended to talk about. Um, we are talking about what you preached on yesterday, which we're going to kind of riff on that. First John five eighteen to twenty one. Be a jumping off point. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, we finished out the book of John yesterday, yesterday, mm. two days ago, at Proclamation Where'd Church. Where are you going from here? Now that you've crested the mountaintop. I mean, I would not refer to God's holy word um, as something you can simply crest. Well, where are you going from here? <laughs> <laughs> the next page. I don't have much pushback against that. <laughs> the next page, Second John. <laughs> are you really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, we'll finish uh, Second and Third John, and then we'll dive into Philippians. Hmm. Um, so yeah, finished up First John, and so the last uh, few verses we covered, and I had kind of done a recap, some recap a couple weeks ago. We talked through a little bit of that, how First John, um, John is writing to lay out these three tests for the church. And so uh, the, the main kind of point or, or thesis um, for my sermon on Sunday um, was about tension and how John writes to resolve tension in believers in regards to their salvation. And he does that with these three tests. You know, do you love the church, a social or love test? Do you have good doctrine? Do you truly believe um, the right thing about who Jesus is, what he's done? And then uh, finally, and lastly, does your life follow that? Does, mm-hmm. your, does your morality, your lifestyle, the way you spend your time and your energy, the way you talk, does it show that you're a follower of Christ? So John is writing to help the church understand, and that's what he says in verse 13 of chapter 5. He says, I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. So he's writing to these things, writing to them to, to help resolve this tension, 
in their faith. Did you say what your sermon summary was? Yes. Could you part say of it. Again? Well, or are you waiting part, to say the whole thing? Man, you gotta keep, keep him coming keep back. Go give him the whole thing. <laughs> John writes to resolve the tension in the believers um, in regards to their salvation. And he writes to clarify the tension all believers hold in in regards to resting in grace and working out our salvation. Man, it's such a long sentence. I know. I don't have any punctuations in there. <laughs> in that text message. Um, so that so that's what John does. He's just resolving the tension. Am I a believer? Am I a follower of Christ? And he does that with those three tests. But then we see this last portion. He also lays out a tension mm-hmm. that believers must hold. So picking it up in verse 18, this is what it says. We know. <laughs> you want me to read it? Yeah. You got it? Yeah. Yes. Go in. Jump in on there. <laughs> I just try to, you know. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Uh, we, we know. know. <laughs> <laughs> we know that everyone who has been born of God does not sin, but the one who is born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know the true one. We are in the true one, that is, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. Amen. This is the word word of the Lord. Lord. (laughs) Thanks be to God. (laughs) So we see um, those first three verses, three we know statements. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not sin, but the one who is born of God keeps him. That's Jesus Christ. And the evil one, Satan, does not touch him. Right now, John doesn't mean there is no sin, period. He means, as he's fully um, expounded upon previously in this book, First John, yeah. that we don't make a practice of sinning. Hmm. He also clarifies that those who are born of God are held fast by Christ. And the evil one, Satan, does not touch them. He cannot pull them away. Verse 19, we know that we are of God, and the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. Now, that's such a broad brush, hmm. but it's helpful. Just say, listen, the whole world, everyone who is not a believer, who is not born of God, is under the sway of the evil one. So your teachers, your friends, your family— Things you, everything that's kind of coming from uh, the world, from non-believers, all this stuff—it's all they're all under the sway of the evil one. Yeah. But we are different. We we belong to God, and so it's helpful again in the way that we think to understand the economy of the world, so to speak. That we are going to be very different. We're called to be different. The world is heading one direction. Christ has called and redeemed His people, and they are under under his sway, under his control, and going a different direction. So God is sovereign over all things, protecting his people, and then the rest of the world is under the sway of the evil one. Verse 20, we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know the true one. We are in the true one, that is, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. So when jo- when John's writing, he's clarifying again who Christ is. We know that the Son of God has come. He didn't just come, right? He has come to give us understanding so that we may be in him. Not just know of him, but be in him, it says. 
and he clarifies who this is. We are in the true one. That is in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God in eternal life. One of the heresies that John's combating, writing against, defending the church from, is Gnosticism. Hmm. This idea Explain that what Gnosticism you don't is. have to be, this idea that you don't have to be, you don't have to repent and believe, but rather that the flesh and spirit are separate. The flesh can kind of do whatever it wants, and the spirit's mostly good. And then that if you pursue, you can have this like higher knowledge. Hmm. So you're mostly a good person. Um, try to be enlightened. Try to be, and that's very similar to the culture we live in today. Yeah, everyone's. Uh, if you are an an enlightened individual, you have more authority to tell someone else what they should and shouldn't do. And we have different kind of ways of figuring out who's enlightened. It, it used to be education. Um, now it's it's more of just social status and power. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so John's writing to to guard the church against this heresy, clarifies who Christ is. So he finishes up those three we know. You have to know these things, know these things, know these things. And he finishes with, little children, guard yourselves from idols. And so he, he lays out the importance of, know these things, but yet, children, guard yourselves from idols. Hmm. Clearly stating that if it's not possible just to know, or knowing is not enough to guard your heart. Like you have to know and then you have to be intentional about guarding your heart. One of the issues with Gnosticism is that people were pursuing this knowledge and knowledge and knowledge, but they were not guarding their hearts from their own pride, their own selfishness. We said that idolatry or idols are, are things that capture your affections, things that capture your affections in your heart. That's what an idol is. So for us today, it's not, you know, you're not carving an image and putting it up on your mantle. But whatever captures your heart, that's the idol in your life. Yeah, maybe it's a football team. Maybe it's a basketball team. So we're going through March Madness right now. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, exactly. Fill in the blank. So as John's writing, he leaves them with this word that really does challenge them, that they have to be intentional. Excuse me, to work out their salvation and to really wrestle with following Christ, desiring to know, studying those scriptures, pursuing knowledge, but also guarding their hearts, because it does take work to work out your salvation. Hey guys, today's episode is brought to you by Life Journal. Life Journal is a 90-day planner and journal to help you organize your day, accomplish your goals, and grow in your faith. And the thing that I love about Life Journal is that as you guys know, I also work full-time outside of the church. So this journal is put together really well, very sturdy, and it looks really sharp. So I can walk into any business meeting with this journal and feel good about opening up and taking notes. And then in addition, to that, it also is able to gear your day toward keeping the gospel at the forefront of your mind. It's got a section each day, what I'm thankful for, uh, what scripture did I read, what did I learn here, what was new, how will I use this today, and then it has a gospel connection. How did this reveal the gospel or point myself or others to Christ. So it's not only a productivity journal, it's got your top three, it's got a spot for notes, it's got a spot to track your five foundations and daily goals, but it also brings it all back to the most important thing, the gospel. So we heartily endorse the gospel-focused life journal, and if you want to learn more, go over to gospelfocused.com. Again, that's gospelfocused.com.
Yeah, yeah, that's good. Reminds me of Philippians 2, um, 12 and 13. Therefore, my friends, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. There's that tension that you're, you're kind of talking about where mm-hmm. the Christian is called to work out his or her salvation. Like we're called to pursue knowledge. We're called to understand the faith as best as we can. And we're called to pursue these things, just to work out our understanding. However, from verse 13, it's God who is working in you mm-hmm. both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Like if you have, yeah. if your will is a desiring mm-hmm. to work out your salvation, that's God's work in you. Yes. Yeah. If your will is desiring uh, to work according to God's good purpose, that's God who is working in you. God ultimately gets that credit. There's a both and going on where we are responsible. We're called yes. to 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 work out our salvation. We're called to do good works. We're called to follow God faithfully according to the scriptures. Um, but ultimately we can't take credit for it. We mm-hmm. have to give God credit because it's him who is working in us both to will and to work according to his good purpose. I was listening to um, the Crossway podcast. I do a podcast and listen to Dave Harvey talk about um, plurality of leadership. But one of the things that he said in there is that um, God is just as jealous about the work that he's doing in you mm-hmm. as he is the work that he's doing through you. And often mm-hmm. we can be yes. more wrapped up in the work that he's doing through us, the outward stuff, the us being able to see fruit, that we can overlook the work that he's doing in us. But God is passionate about both yes. the work that he's doing in us and the work that he's doing through us, which is right along the lines of what this passage is saying. Yeah. And as uh, people who we like to be doing stuff, we like to achieve stuff and accomplish things. And so we look at a task and we think, okay, I need to get that done. Yeah. Uh, practically, I need to, you know, put that thing together, or get the grass cut, or finish my taxes, or whatever. Um, w- have you finished your taxes? Yes, I have. Nice. Have you? Yeah, I was going to say. How man, much did you? You're, you're getting crunch time. You a lot? No, didn't know any. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's kids for you. Yeah, I know. Get that uh, child tax credit. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should keep keep having more kids. I mean, they, it's know. encouraging me. <laughs> it's like, anyway. anywho. Uh, <laughs> You can't put a price on kids, can you? <laughs> well, the government does. <laughs> I think it should be more. Honestly, I mean, I, it's you know, as a, I would agree. As someone who's in the child <laughs> rearing years, I mean, I mean wouldn't <laughs> mind getting more cash. Incentivize this. Um, no, but this idea of projects, we like to get things done, yeah. and the reality is, as you're as you're quoting Dave Harvey, like it's the it's the work in us. Especially as pastors, as spiritual uh, leaders, elders, those who are who are leading others. I mean, it's we're trying to teach the right thing. We're trying to all good things, teach the right thing, do the right thing. Um, but primarily, it's the Lord working in you. Yeah, that is essential. Yeah, because yet yes, He cares about Citizens Church, and He's going to take care of that church. But He's working in you for his good purpose, for his good pleasure. Yeah. And that's such a, a gift to think, man, God is working in me for his good pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, not my own, thankfully. Yeah. I think that would be a, um, a train wreck of a, hmm. of a day if, yeah, right. if it was just even one day for my own pleasure. Um, so but the, yeah. 
Go ahead. Okay. Uh, so I was, was going to... So anyway. Looking at this passage, these four verses, 18 mm-hmm. through 21, what would you say to the person who says, who reads this and immediately feels um, doubt and immediately feels a sen- an overwhelming sense of conviction of, oh, shoot, 18 literally says, we know that everyone who has been born of God does not sin. Mm-hmm. I sin, mm-hmm. so am I not born of God? Pretty much. Yep. What would um, you say to that guy? Or gal? <laughs> Far be it from me the to see church. gender or anything like that. <laughs> that that individual. I would take them back to chapter 2 of First okay. John in yeah. verse 1. It says, My little children, I am writing you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. So. John knows that we're going to sin. Yeah. And he finishes um I mean literally in in, in verse chapter 1 he's yeah, talking that's about where I was going. Okay. Well no, okay, I'll go. <laughs> he was, he's saying if we say we have no sin, right. we are deceiving ourselves yes. and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So he literally says like, "Hey, yes. if you say you have no sin, you you're a straight up liar." Right. And so that's why it's Anytime you're in the Word, you need to understand the context and really the, the, what the, the kind of theme or how the, the author is writing. Because mm-hmm. someone can say, they, they'll pull this passage, they'll be like, yeah, see, the Bible says we can't sin, and we don't sin. Yeah. You know, someone who believes in full sanctification mm. might say that. Like, who who would believe that, Rick? <laughs> the Nazarenes. Nazarenes. Old school, I think. But it still, it still yeah. gets taught and, pro- and propagated. Taught and prop. Taught and propaganda is out there. <laughs> um, but yeah. So anyway, that's what I would say to them, Rob. That's good. That's good. I'm just trying to think through because I would imagine that someone reading that without having a fully formed understanding yeah. of, um, or maybe not even having a, a biblical theology of sin and how authors address it, mm-hmm. could read that one passage and think, oh, shoot, there's, there it is. Proof text, like, I'm, I'm not born of God. Um, but it, it just does go to emphasize the importance of looking at the context in which your passage is in, mm-hmm. look at the verses around it, look at the chapters around yeah. it, see how the author is writing. Yeah. So if you if you find yourself, which Christians should, in this tension between what we know in our head and what we feel in our heart, right? So in our head we work out our salvation, we reason, we study, we, we argue or debate, read books, study the scriptures, we work on what we believe in our head, work those things out. But we're called to work those things out in our heart as well, with mm. our emotions, the things that pull on us, the things that we need to sacrifice, we need to cut out. Um, we definitely live in a very information-based um, tradition yeah. in, in, in America, um, especially in the just in the West in general with Christianity. So it's very information-heavy. Right? We have books and books and books on stuff, mm-hmm. which is super helpful, but we're not very good at... Um, the guarding our heart from idols. Yeah, we're actually really, really bad at it. Yeah, as, as a as the church in the West. So, um, it would be some practical ways if the, for the listener out there listening. Oh yeah, I agree with you. Like we do have a hard time guarding our hearts yeah. from idols. I I tend to enjoy mm-hmm. the Sunday football game more than I do church, or I tend to enjoy filling the like my job, or I tend to enjoy right. going to the park or riding a bike or whatever it yeah. is. How do I guard my heart practically from yeah. idols? So we talk a lot about uh, affections. Where you know, that's a good way to to understand. I mean, what are the idols in my life? Oh, what, where are your affections? Mm-hmm. What what stirs your affections? Um, what kind of robs you of your affections, right? So sin 
always robs us of our affections for Christ. Mm -hmm. So first of all, are there like sin, undealt with sin in your life or things that you've repented of, but it's still lingering and you need to keep, you know, addressing and keep repenting of. Um, But understanding that as humans, we will fight this until we die. You will always have the struggle with idols, with things stealing your affections from Christ. And so you need to be intentional with guarding your heart. You need to figure out, man, is this something I need to lay aside? Maybe you need to stop watching football. Maybe you need yeah. to stop, you know, um, drinking alcohol or pop, or you need to stop going to bed at two in the, you know, in the morning. And yeah. whatever the thing is that's that's causing you to be more lethargic and not care as much about Christ and be okay with spending more time kind of being lazy or doing your own thing. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's success. Maybe you need to, to stop running and gunning for that promotion and just kind yeah. of do your job and then spend more time with your family, spend more time with your church. So those are just practical things. One, you have to read more scripture. Yeah, You will never overcome sin. You'll never experience the transformation Christ has for, for you apart from scripture. Oh, oh, I think we're getting a message there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, that buzzing sounded like some kind of like World War II, like radio communication yeah, thing. Did, anyway, yeah. So study the scriptures. Be in the Word. Be saturating your heart with the Word. Be in the Word with other people. Be in the Word, obviously, Sunday mornings. Um, be studying the scriptures and be praying. Hmm. I can't say that like enough. It's so simple. You just you need to ask the Lord, Lord, what are the things in my life that are robbing my affections that I'm I'm quick to to idolize. Yeah. Help me to see that. Yeah. And then share that with somebody. If you're married, share that with your spouse. And probably as well with another close confidant. Um, so be in the scriptures, um, pray, share what those struggles are. And then the third thing as would be to rest in mm. Christ. Yeah. To rest in the fact that you are in him, in Christ Jesus, in God. And there's nothing, not even the evil one, who has sway over the rest of the world can take you out of his hand. Yeah, that's good. We were um, this past Sunday, we did a joint service with another local church, and we were talking about Matthew sixteen eighteen, mm-hmm. and um, we were pointing at. I mean, this passage where Jesus says, "And you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, or the gates of Hades will not prevail against it." And um, it, it's interesting to note in that passage that verse seventeen, Peter's called Simon Bar Jonah. Mm-hmm. And then in verse 18, he's mm-hmm. called Peter. And he gets his name, yeah. gets his identity from Jesus. Jesus is the one who mm-hmm. says, and you are Peter. Yeah, He tells him who he is after Peter correctly pronounces who Jesus is. Yeah. And um, it's just, you talk about finding our identity yeah. in Christ. Like That is the one whom we find our ultimate allegiance, ultimate identity in yes. and that that's one who we consistently need to be going back to and so to your point mm-hmm. if there are things that are keeping you from yeah. that yeah whatever it is maybe maybe it's something a good thing like disc golf or maybe it's a good thing like well, that's a good thing but that's you know <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, amoral I mean. <laughs> or a, a good a good movie or a show you know i mean things that nothing you enjoy good doing comes with out of others. hollywood that's right but <laughs> i know what you mean there does need to be yeah a hierarchy. And it could be your spouse, your kids. Honestly, I mean, my yeah, goodness. Yeah. yeah. It could be a hey, I need I just need to to spend some time with the Lord. Yeah. I, I need to take that's some time. Usually to... always the answer. Yeah. Yeah. You know? But, but but like you're saying, I mean there's there's a clear 
if if Christ is the only identity giver, mm-hmm. and we would say he is, yeah. the more clearly you understand who he is and believe him or are close with him, the more clearly and, and better you understand your own identity and yeah. who you are. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Sweet. Anything else? That's it. That's all I got. That's all she's got. All it's right. The bottom of the barrel. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Well, guys, if you want to reach out to us, if you want to um, throw out some topics, you can always reach out to us at simpletheology.org. You can hit us up on social media, facebook.com slash simpletheology, or hit us up on Instagram at simpletheologypod. You can always use the hashtag simpletheologypod. You can shoot us an email at info at simpletheology.org, or you can shoot us a... Rick's doing a gun motion right now. You can shoot us a voicemail at 614-233-1098. That buzzing earlier was me getting an email from somebody saying that there might be something wrong with our voicemail. So I got to look into that. Oh, wow. They said when they called in, they tried to leave one, and it was just a bunch of buzzing, a bunch of beeps. So well, that explains a lot. Got to look into it. Sorry, guys. As a co-host, I'm going to talk to the person who's in charge of that stuff. Or really bust some heads we're, together. We're gonna get some, bust some heads together. Get some, some reprimanding going here. Yeah. Heads will roll. Let me tell you. Here at ST Global. <laughs> All right. Conglomerate. Thanks, y'all. Thanks for tuning in. Peace. Thanks. Bye.